Did everybody have a wonderful Christmas? Amen. Well, I'm grateful for that, that you had a wonderful Christmas with your family. And uh, I did. It's wonderful to see your grandkids as they grow up and they start realizing what it means to open up some Christmas presents. It's exciting. And people say, well, you know, Christmas isn't about presents. Well, I can tell you when you're a grandpa and you're sitting there watching them in front of the tree, it's pretty exciting. So give me that. Amen. You know, I can tell you, Jesus said, suffer the little children for such is the kingdom of heaven. They crawled up in his, in his lap and uh, he loved on children. And uh, I'm grateful for that. And uh, just thank the Lord. He's so good to us all the time. And uh, if you have your Bibles in 2 Timothy, we're going to start reading with chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm just going to scratch around here for a little bit. Uh, not too, too long tonight, but <clears throat> just what I felt in my heart and in my spirit in prayer um, this afternoon I was really seeking the Lord and just crying out to God. He just really met me this week a couple times. And, uh, you know, uh, I've learned something that when you've preached for 20, almost 24 years, actually, if you consider all the times I preached in the prison, I've been preaching for 30 years, 30, almost 30 years. And uh, you've been through this Bible from one end to the other for the most part. You may not even remember the things that you've preached, but... Uh, that doesn't mean you can't preach the same thing again. But what, what's important is that it's always fresh and that we preach something that's fresh. And it may just be specifically for someone. And so, you know, I'm not going to get up here and, 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 and put on like that I'm some great orator or, or, that, uh, or speaker or that I've got some profound thought tonight. Sometimes we just need a steady diet from the Word of God. And so I pray that this will minister to you. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, hold on here just a second. Somebody's medicine cabinet fell out. You think I'm joking. I'm putting up Tums and vapor rub. I don't know why it's back here. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> Oh, the funny things that happen in church. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. I, and I'm going to go up just a little bit further. And Paul said to Timothy, in verse 2, My dearly beloved son, was his spiritual son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Aren't you thankful for prayer warriors that pray for you night and day? Hallelujah. There's one thing that a preacher can do, a pastor can do. 
Pete Spackman said the best thing a pastor could ever do, the greatest thing he could ever do is pray for his flock. I took that exhort and I pray for my flock. I may not get you on Monday, but I'll probably get you Tuesday or Wednesday and I'll cry your name out to God or maybe in the middle of the night or while I'm driving down the road, God will lay somebody on my heart and say, I want you to begin to pray for them right now. Pray for them. There's people in the house. I can tell you in the house of God they grow cold they come continually in the church and they make it look like nothing's going on but I can tell you you can't fool the Holy Ghost you can't fool the God who knows all things and everything about you and he'll say that person's going through a valley that person's going through a low time they're going through a dark time or a dry time they're going through a time where the devil's lied to them preacher you've got to pray for them you've got to cry out to God for them The greatest thing that could ever be done for you is not for somebody to give you a lump sum of money, but for somebody to call your name out before the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And Paul said, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I remember, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois. Thank God for grandmas that know God. Amen. And he said that that dwelt in your grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. Amen. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He said, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who have saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began." Father, I ask you tonight to equip me, to anoint me, to help me tonight, to minister in the house of God tonight. Bring encouragement, Lord. I want encouragement, Lord, to come and a stirring and a challenging God to every person in this house tonight. And we'll give you all the glory, Lord, as you begin to pour it out. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen and amen. I'm preaching a message, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. It's not a sermon, it's a message. Because in prayer, the Holy Spirit prompted me. Many are just going through a lull. They're going through a coldness. They're going through a lukewarmness. They're going through a hardness of heart. A real valley. I, I mean, the Lord really placed upon my, in my spirit, preach. Amen. I've already got my, ser- my message for Sunday morning. I know what I'm going to preach. I already know where I'm going Sunday morning. And, and, but he said, begin to speak to them and tell them to stir up the gift of God within them. Amen. Stir up the gift of God because many are going through a lull. Many are going through dryness. Many are going through a valley. Many are going through a 
place where they just are not where they know they're supposed to be. They're not where they want to be. They're not where God wants them to be. And church, I've come to tell you, if we're not careful, we'll be back where we used to be if we don't stir up the gift of God within us. We've got to stay in this fight and fight the good fight of faith every day. The Lord told me, He said, there's a hardness that comes into people's hearts because they think, yes, God delivered me. I went through a time in a, in a, in a service or many services where I thought once and for all, I'm completely delivered and God delivered you and He set you free. But what you forgot is that there's still a devil that's still alive and well. There's still an Adamic nature, an old sinful nature that's still alive and well. And you and I every day have to know we're going to combat that every day that's going to come against our mind, come against our thoughts, come against our faith. Are you here tonight with me? We're still battling an enemy that's come to take us and destroy us. That's why you have to know this. Every day you've got to stir up the gift of God within you. Because a lot of times people, they get confused or deceived and they think, what happened to me, God? I went through a deliverance. I went through a time where I was in an altar and, and you set me free. You touched me. I repented. But I got back up and two weeks later, all of a sudden, I'm dealing with temptation again. Did you not read your word? He's going to continue to come and tempt you. He's going to, yeah, the Bible says, uh, Peter said, he said that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Can he devour you? you I can tell you if you're full of the Holy Ghost you'll not succumb to the temptation of the flesh that's where people are at you see not me tonight pastor I'm on fire I'm going to tell you right now I'm going to tell you right now the enemy wants to put the fire out you've got to add fuel to the fire I'm not telling you something I don't know. I'm not saying yea unto you, but nothing unto me. I know what I'm saying unto you. I know the attack of the enemy to try to rob us of our faith, rob us of our experience. You know, it's awesome when you first get saved and you feel that newfound joy and that strength of the Spirit of God, but it wanes over time. Things begin to happen. Life taxes you. Life, you know, you go through things and they begin to bring a diminishing or a or a, or a draining of your spiritual life. Pastor Duke used to say, you get full of oil, but every day, you know, it just a little bit comes out. That's why you got to stay full of oil. You got to keep the oil in that lamp burning and full. But I'm preaching this for that reason. And we need to stir up, be stirred up, awakened, excited, Roused and, and roosting or rousing, as it says in the Webster's Dictionary. I was reading that, that word rouse, R-O-U-S-E, or, or, or R-O-U-S-E-D, or with an I-N-G on the end, however you want to say it. 
that gave several definitions of being awakened or stirred or excited. But one thing that just stirred my heart was whenever I read that you break from cover. Whenever you're awakened, you break from cover. You break from that place of cover. And he said some people in the house of God, he said need to break from their cover. Amen. Are you hearing me tonight? They need to break from that place where they're trying to make sure nobody sees them and nobody's paying attention to them. I can tell you, God's saying it's time to awaken from that place where you're hidden down. Whenever they were down in that ditch in 1 Samuel 17 and David came down, he was awakened, he was aroused, he was up, he's excited, he broke from his place of cover. But they're down there in the ditch, covered up. They didn't want to deal with the giant, but somebody has to step up and they have to deal with the giant. Somebody has to awaken from that place and they have to begin to get up out of that place of death, that place of slumber, that place of lull. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. He gives us strength. Break from the cover. I know this is not a good example, but I'm going to give it. This week, while I was sitting there sick, I'm so tired of Christmas movies. I've seen It's a Wonderful Life. I've seen it in black and white. I've seen it in color. I think I've seen it in Spanish. I just, you've seen it, you've seen it so many times. You can quote it. You know, you've seen all those Christmas movies and you're just done. And I thought, I'm just sitting here, you know, when you've read, you've prayed, you just, you know, you just, you listen to worship music, you do. And, but, amen, I just thought, I just, I, I, I love Christmas, but I just kind of need a break, you know. I need a break. I've been doing this for a month, you know. Got the Christmas songs playing. I, I told the, the one that gave it to me, I said, I flipped the switch and I'm back to amazing grace. Amen. Hallelujah. It plays a, a, a hymnal every time the, the clock goes to the hour. And so, but all of that being said, I just happened to turn on the TV and there was that old movie, you know, from the 80s or 90s. I don't even remember, Dancing with Bulls. And, and the, just the first part of it, I didn't watch the rest of it, but I watched the first part of that when he's down there and he's got that bloody uh, leg that's about ready to be taken off. He put that boot back on there and he got back out there in the war, you know, and he's laying down there and you got the Confederate Army on one side and you got the, the, the Northern Army army on the other side and there's this valley in the middle and nobody's moving everybody's just waiting everybody's just looking and God reminded me of that today as I was pinning my message he said but that old boy ran over there and got on that horse and he just began to ride that thing everybody tried to shoot him but nobody hit him and they said come on do it again and so he went back and he rode back through there again nobody shot at they shot at him but they didn't hit him nobody got him and I was watching that I thought man he was a decorated soldier he was somebody that had enough stirring within him amen I'm not going to see anything accomplished sitting here on the wayside or by the wayside it's like the three lepers that said why sit we here until we die we can sit here and die or we can get up and live my God in heaven we cannot let this Holy Ghost experience die in us we've got to be alive Stir it up. Jesus. Oh. 
Now, Paul doesn't really talk about anyone encouraging him. Did you ever think about that? In fact, the things that encouraged him were the people under him that continued in the faith. And if I'm wrong, you can correct me after the service and tell me that, well, here's somebody that encouraged Paul. Let me tell you something. I have read in the Word where he was encouraged by the things that he saw, the fruit, the progression, the maturity, and the faith of those that were sons under him, spiritual sons. But in fact, in 2 Timothy 4, 16, when he was talking about being persecuted, he said, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Did you read that? All men forsook me. Oh, that's a horrible charge for the body of Christ. Do not be there when somebody needs you. At my first answer, no man stood with me. But all men forsook me. He said, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, glory, hallelujah. Thank God for the 17th verse. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Did you hear that? The Lord, he said, stood with me. No man stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. I love that. And by my by me let me see that let me read that notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by my, me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work hallelujah I was reading that and I said Lord not only did every man drop you like a bad uh, drop Paul like a bad habit nobody stood with him but I love that he he said, but nonetheless, but notwithstanding the Lord stood with me. God was there with me when nobody else was with me. When I didn't have a friend in the world, God stood with me. Why are you saying that, preacher? Because sometimes nobody's going to be there to stir you up. You're going to have to stir yourself up. You're going to have to get a hold of God yourself. You're going to have to pray and get a hold of God until you get the fire burning. You can't wait for somebody else to do it for you. Not that we don't encourage, Teresa. Not that we don't encourage, Bailey. We do I come to prayer meeting. I'm looking for somebody I can pray for. I'm looking for somebody I can lay hands on. Amen. I'm like the tow truck driver just waiting to give somebody a jump. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm walking. I see people and that old engine's just a rumbling and I come over and lay hands on somebody and they begin to get started and then they're shouting and praising God. Before you know it, there's lights all over the place. Y'all here with me? He said, nobody stood with me but the Lord. When you ain't got nobody else, you got the Lord. I said that to say, Paul encouraged Timothy and his encouragement was, stir up the gift of God within you. Because 
The only reason he would tell him to stir up the gift of God within him was because he knew it's possible. You don't have to wait for somebody to come over and do that for you. Now, please do not misunderstand or misinterpret what I'm saying. Yes, there are preachers that are anointed, and we preach. There are people in the church that are prayer warriors. They pray for you. There are times we have to lift up the hands that hang down. There's times when people are overtaken in a fault. There are times when God will lay somebody on your heart, and you'll be able, he'll compel you or lead you to call them, talk to them, text them, pray for them. I'm not saying that we don't do that, but what I'm saying is whenever you're looking for encouragement for somebody else, and you say, God, nobody came whenever I asked you to bring them, what he's saying to you is stir up the gift of God within you because you may not get that encouragement David encouraged himself in the Lord whenever there was no but they were ready to stone him and he encouraged himself in the Lord that's what it says in 1 Samuel 30 that word that Paul had unto Timothy came from past experience if you don't stir up the gift, no one is there to encourage you to. You have to stir up the gift of God within you. You've got to remember how precious this Holy Ghost is. You have to remember how precious your salvation is. The gift of salvation. The gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of God's grace. You have to remember that. You have to remember who you serve. Well, thank God for encouragers. But ultimately, you must make the decision, I'm going to get on up and serve God. I'm not going to stay here till I die. He said, Timothy, I know you're young. I know you're afraid. I know you have a lot of maybe perhaps insecurities, and you're dealing with things, but just remember this. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Stir up the gift of God within me. That is anything you receive from God and not yourself. Did you know James 1.17 said, Every good gift comes from above. Every good gift comes from above. The Holy Ghost is called a gift in Acts 2.38. Salvation is a gift of God's grace in Ephesians 2, 8. Paul teaches us about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 chapters, that is. The word gift has seven, seven different Greek applications, very similar. But in our text, it is the word charisma. And it's God's free gift his gift of grace, his bestowments upon sinners. When people look at people, especially in the modern day that we live in in church, people say, you know, they're very charismatic. They, what they're saying is the presence of God is upon them, okay? The presence of God, the charisma of God, the grace of God. Pastor Friday one time said about his son, Kevin, he said he's preaching in another part of Nigeria, and he said the grace of God is heavily upon him. God is using him in a mighty, mighty way. And I thought, praise God. 
Praise God. The grace of God is upon you. You ever met somebody and the grace of God was upon them? It was evident the grace of God was upon them. Amen. The hand of God was upon them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I'm just meditating upon this and thinking about this. But that word charisma, it's God's free gift, His gift of grace, His bestowments upon sinners to bring them to Christ. Nobody just decides they're going to come and get saved. God put that in their heart. He draws them by His Spirit. And He brings them to a place of salvation. It's an act of God. It's something that He does. And it's something that has to be exercised used, put into application, and fueled. Does not the Bible say that our faith, there's additions to our faith? It does. Add to your faith. That's what he said in Peter. Add to your faith. So I can tell you grace. We, we're given a measure of grace, and we, we live in that. We, we, we see that exercised in our life, and we operate in that. One of the graces of God is just the fact that we have an ability to have prayer. Well, pastor, what do you mean by that? A spiritual, a spiritual grace is a grace where you, it's something that God gives you and he gives us this hotline to heaven. We can pray. We can get a hold of God. There's people that get their, every prayer that they pray, every prayer that they pray seems to get answered. I can tell you because they have found a hotline to heaven. Amen. They know how to get a hold of God. They know how to, to, to get the heart of God to turn. There's a cry that awakens the master. There's a cry that causes Jesus to stop and turn and say, bring Bartimaeus over here. There's a cry that stops him when the Seraphonician woman says, I may be a dog, but even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. And he turns around and he says, my goodness, I've not seen such faith like this, not even in Israel. Not even in my own people. I see greater faith in you, woman, than I see in them. And you are a pagan Gentile. What the what the what you're? I mean, you're not even Samaritan. You're 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 so far away from what the Jews would accept. But he said, I've not even seen that kind of faith in my own people, but I've seen it in you. There's something that gets the heart and the attention of God. And I don't want to sound like I'm repeating myself, but there are bestowments upon sinners. There are endowments upon believers by the operation of the Holy Ghost in the churches and the evidence of the real presence of God. In prayer, the Lord impressed upon me something only needs stirring that has been laying dormant because people forgot what they had. Amen. People go, I want the presence of God. And they used to come to prayer meeting and saw it produced in their life and in their church. What happens is they quit praying. Then they come into the church and they complain about what's not there when they realize that they didn't bring the fuel to make it happen. We must be people of prayer. We must be. We, I'm telling you, I am going to preach and preach and preach and preach this year on two things, on prayer and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We must, we must pray. We must know. And if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're a person of prayer. You want to pray. 
you want to seek the face of God. You know, a couple weeks ago, I got an alarming call from Michelle Bravo. Uh, her, her sister was calling me. I couldn't even understand Nan on the phone. She was blubbering. She was crying. She was distraught. And I told her, stop. Now, let me get this clear. Did you just tell me that Michelle's in the hospital? Yes, Pastor. I said, I said, and you said she's on life support. Yes, Pastor, she's on life support. They've got her on a ventilator. They, they, she's very sick. And then the next day her kidneys are shutting down and this and that and all of this stuff. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I've known that lady for a long time. And I said, Lord, she's been my friend for over 20 years. And, and, and we began to pray. I asked the church to pray. I asked the church to pray. And in one of the times in prayer, about the second day, third day, I was alone in my, in my garage. And the, I'm telling you, I was praying. I was crying for her. I said, Lord, I don't want her daughter to have a baby because her, her daughter just had a baby. Just, just this week, I believe, had a baby. Uh, or this weekend, had a baby. And, she, and she, I said, I don't want her daughter to have her first grandbaby and her not even be able to see it. I said, Lord, your compassion's greater than my compassion. And I've got compassion. I'm crying because I know how it feels to hold a brand new grandbaby in your arms. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. You know, it's like when you had your little kids when you first had them, but you were too young and immature to realize the treasure you had in your hands. So it took 20 years of all the mistakes you made, and God said, I'm going to give you another opportunity. I'm giving you a do-over. Amen. It's wonderful to hold those grandbabies in your arms. And I said, God, have mercy. Please bring her through. Don't let her die. Wake her up out of that. Heal her. They said they didn't even want to do dialysis because they were afraid. Her kidneys were shutting down. They were afraid she'd go into cardiac arrest. Well, they did it anyway because there wasn't any other solution. But we began to pray. And they said, you know, she's, she's still in a coma. But her kidneys are at least getting the blood filtered through the dialysis. And that didn't really affect her, her, her heart. And so... Fast forward, just praying. I kept asking Nate and Nan every couple days, how are they doing? How's she doing? She's still, she's still in the ventilator, still in a coma, Pastor. The doctor said that if something changes, they'll call us. They're weeping, they're crying, you know. And here I am, I'm crying out to God, and I said, Lord, please, please hear me. Two days later, Nate said they called us to come to the hospital. Michelle woke up. She just opened her eyes. And she said, where's my family? She couldn't talk, so she's telling them, writing or telling them, get my family. Next thing you know, <clears throat> she's barely awake, got her eyes open. They got me on FaceTime. I thought, Michelle's probably going to say thank you later. But I'm looking at her, and she's got that in a thing in her mouth, helping her breathe. And I'm like, hi, Michelle, I've been praying for you. Tears streaming down her face. 
The next day, she's sitting up in bed, got her hair up in a ponytail, still got the ventilator, but she's looking at me, waving. I said, praise God. So I got to see her yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. Got to go in and see her. Went in, spent an hour and a half in there visiting with her. We laughed. We cut up. Amen. She said, Pastor's here. We cut up. We had a blast, you know, like old times, you know. They told her, you can only have two little ice chips, you know. No more. You can't have any more. Well, that lady walked out, and 10 minutes later, Michelle said, Pastor, bring me some of them ice chips. I said, you know what? Yes. I put them ice chips in her mouth. You can't give her that many ice chips. I said, okay. You know, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. So... So five spoonfuls later, she's all right. Why did I say that to you? Because God hears us when we pray. And the church has to be full of the power of the Holy Ghost that comes from a prayer life and a devotion life to begin to minister to someone that cannot help themselves, that don't even know the condition that they're in. My, the stirring up must come. And the only reason we need to be stirred is because what we had is laying dormant. Don't let that be. Don't let that be. God will remind you where you used to be. Some forget the value and the worth of the precious Holy Ghost. Some forget the power of its effectiveness. Some are satisfied with the spirit-less Christianity. They don't mind going to church so long as the Holy Spirit isn't there to convict them or cause there to be anything that makes them feel uncomfortable. Well, let me tell you something. When the Holy Ghost shows up, you're going to feel uncomfortable if you're not right. Amen. But He is the very essence of God to His creation. And we need a fresh reality always, a fresh touch, a fresh encounter, a fresh faith, and a fresh testimony. Did you hear me? We need a fresh encounter, a fresh faith, and a fresh testimony. The problem is people are still telling testimonies from 30 years ago. God wants you to have a fresh testimony. Amen. He wants you to have a fresh testimony. I remember praying for my brother-in-law, but that was 2013. God said, I can still bring somebody out of a coma if you'll pray, amen. You've just got to, come on now, church. You've just got to believe me. We have to have a fresh testimony. We have to have a fresh testimony. He is a God who said, stir that gift up. Don't sit there and die. Don't allow the very gift of the Holy Ghost to to begin the fire to die out in you. But know that I've called you to a stirring, amen. I've called you to a story. It's the essence of God, the very presence of God, the most significant element or quality or aspect of God, the realness of God. Like when the men on the Emmaus Road said, did not our hearts burn within us because they felt the very presence of God. Or like Elijah, Elisha rather that said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. Or like the guard that said, what must I do to be saved? Something changed from him beating Paul and Silas to all of a sudden crying out, what must I do to be saved? Like when I got saved, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I ain't going to preach all night. I'm just going to narrow the airport here near it. But like when I got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, 
I remember being saved at an old-fashioned altar. You know, I'm so grateful when my kids and I went back to my mom's in Thanksgiving. Francis said, I want to see where you got saved. Well, we went everywhere. But we drove down to that little country church there in Festus, Missouri. That's probably about half the size of this building right here. Amen, top and bottom. But we pulled up in there. All I saw was a big old board, billboard in front had an alien on it. I thought, my goodness, I don't know what happened here. But we pulled up. I said, that's where I got saved. I don't know what it's become. It's become a, a daycare, a science, you know, a science school or something. A daycare had all kinds of spaceships and E.T. on the front. I said, that's where I got saved. But I can tell you, that wasn't going on there whenever I got saved. Amen. Hallelujah. But I said, I'm great. A man that even though the spot, amen, or the place may have changed, it may have changed owners and it may have become something different, that what God did, He did down within me, and it was something I've taken and carried with me everywhere that I go. That just because I'm not in church doesn't mean that God doesn't meet me at home. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank God for the feeling that we feel when He saves us and He fills us with His Spirit but thank God we can know Him and find Him and experience Him anywhere that we're at whether we're in Nigeria or we're in Kenya or we're in Mexico or we're in the Philippines or we're in Florida or Arkansas or Missouri or Texas no matter where you're at you can sense and feel the very spirit and presence of God and it wasn't long after I got saved they invited me to go to a, a revival meeting, and I went. I went there because I was had a crush on the pastor's daughter. I didn't know God had another plan. It wasn't her. It was him. But I went to that little church. There was about 25 people there. And my pastor preached... And that host pastor came down, and he saw me on this side. I know I was the youngest one there. I was the only one that had colored hair. Amen. When I say colored, I don't mean colored color. I just mean dark. Amen. Everybody else was just a wave of silver, you know, and white. But here, here I am there, a little 17-year-old kid there. And that pastor came down, the host pastor, and he laid hands on me and he began to pray over me and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I fell over in that church chair and God filled me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And ever since that day everywhere I have went amen I've taken his spirit with me but there have been times it wasn't as pronounced or as evident even in my own life but whenever I get down before the Lord in prayer and I seek his face and I begin to see the stirring come all of a sudden that desire comes back one more time and the stirring comes back one more time the feeling of the essence of God and the presence of God comes back one more time he's the same yesterday to day and forever. He's still feeling. He's still baptizing. He's still delivering. He's still saving. He's still healing church tonight. And he'll do the same in you if you'll let him. My God tonight. Aren't you thankful tonight? He gives us encouragement. Stir up the gift of God. How do I do that, Pastor? Well, first of all, turn your phone off and get along with God. 
You ain't going to get nowhere in the spiritual realm with that phone on. Might as well turn it off, put it in another room. Amen. They said, well, you know, if you got your watch on and you got your phone there, Google and everybody else and Elon Musk and everybody else can hear what you're saying. I said, well, I'll put it all the way across the other side of the world and turn it off and I'll be alone in my prayer closet. They're not going to hear what I'm saying to God because I'm down there. Amen. But you're not going to get anywhere if you're constantly worried if you're going to miss a call or not. Why don't you let God touch you with a spiritual dopamine, amen, and get your mind off of getting something on that phone and just seek the face of God and say, Lord, touch me one more time. You're going to find out that whenever you begin to shut yourself in with God, He will meet you. He will touch you. He will fill you. He will revive you. He will give you what you have need of. Get in your word. Put some fuel on that fire. Put some fuel on that fire. Read, pray, fast. Whoo, fast. Yeah, fast. Amen. I said, Lord, help me to fast. I can't fast. Amen. He said, I'll give you a fatty liver and make you fast. We laugh. He said, I'll get you. I'll get a hook in your. Yeah, you think I'm teasing? I'm serious. Kevin said, you prayed that God would discipline you, Pastor. You asked me to pray. He said, I didn't know it was going to go this way. I said, I didn't either. But however God answers the prayer, it doesn't matter. I just want to, him to do what he said he would promise to do. And I said, if I have to fast, I'll fast. And however it comes, it comes. And I found out, amen, that if you'll just turn that plate over and seek the face of God, you'll watch as God begins to open the floodgates of heaven. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Almighty God, people don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I want somebody to come up and, you know, do something. But let me tell you, the only person that's going to do anything for you is Jesus. The Holy Ghost power of God will come upon you, and that's what you want. He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And to be a witness. The problem is there's no witnesses anymore. People don't want a witness because there's not a witness in their spirit. Let me say it again. They don't witness because there's not a witness in their spirit. But when there's a witness in your spirit, you got to tell somebody. It's like fire shut up in your bones. It's a message you got to tell somebody. When I got saved, I worked at Clinton Cadillac in, in Crestwood, Missouri, and I went to every mechanic, and I would talk to them about God. They'd be working and say, well, you know, I don't really know about all I said. Well, I'm going to stand here and preach to you while you're working. Amen. They didn't hear me. I'd go to the next one. I'd walk up. I'd start talking to them about God. We'd get on something. I'd start talking about the Lord. You know, every person in that place I talked to about God from the beginning of that dealership to the very back of that dealership. There were times I had people in tears. There were times I'm speaking to them, ministering to them. And almost, I believe, you know, I, I just, God just used me in a mighty and a powerful way. It was awesome, awesome, awesome. There there was a witness down deep inside, but what happened to us? We always say, what happened to my shout? I don't know. What happened to my praise? What happened to my brokenness in prayer? Oh, what happened to that witness? God is asking you, what happened to you? Paul said, Galatia, you did run well. Who did hinder you? 
Who did hinder you? He said, Ephesus, God did. You left your first love. I'm going to tell you, you, be, you began to put the Holy Spirit in your life to a back seat. You'll be the most unloving person. But if you will let the Holy Ghost flow through you, you'll love everybody, no matter what they do to you. No matter what they do to you. This, I'm going to close, I promise you, today. God had me write a two-page letter to a person. That was 30 years past due. He said, you want victory? He said, this is what you need to do. See, you go through enough things in your life. You reap what you sow. Let me just say this to you. We always think about money. Put money to the side. Don't even put that in the equation for this point I'm getting ready to make. What you do even in your youth, there will come a time that you will go through that and you will relive that, but you'll be on the other side of that. And you'll look back and go, God, why is this happening to me? And he'll take you back to that moment and say, remember when this happened? He said, but I finally got you to a place. See, you buried that thing for a long time. It was always that other person's fault. You buried it. He said, but finally, it happened to you. And now you know how it feels. Write the letter. I said, absolutely, Lord. And he said, and this is God's explicit instructions to me. He said, and do not say, I forgive you. He said, you ask them to forgive you and leave it there. And I said, I appreciate everything you ever did for me. Everything you ever taught me. Everything you ever poured into me. I love you. I appreciate you. Forgive me for the foolishness and the immaturity of my life. The way I acted. I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry. Stretch out that olive branch and expect nothing in return. The Lord said, I'll pour my spirit out. When you fast and pray, God deals with things. Things come up. I said, Lord, I want that stirring to be there. He said, all right. Here it comes. 23 was the hardest year on a different level in my life that I've ever experienced. But it's done so much good for me. How about you? Father, tonight, as we come to this place in time of a close, I just pray that you will minister to our hearts. Lord, that you will touch us. You will minister to us.
Maybe somebody says, I, I don't need to go to the altar, but maybe somebody says they do. I ask you tonight to have your perfect will and way and draw all who need to come and pray. Lord, repent, that they would repent, that they would make things right, that you'd do something in this house, Lord, because I know it's for somebody. I know it's for somebody. Stir up the gift of God within us. Stir up the gift of God within us. Move by your mighty power. There's folks that need to pray. If we don't know you, Lord, if we're not right with you, let this be our night. Let this be our night, Lord, I pray.